Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 171. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the acclaimed and talented comic creator, Philip Myra. Philip. Bye. How you doing? What's happening? Hey, it's going all right. And congratulations. So far, you've got your, you've, you've, you've successfully launched your fourth Kickstarter campaign and you're well on the way to getting it, getting it funded right now. And is this, you have an $18,000 goal. Is yeah. this the biggest goal that you've had in your, because you did for Crackles volume one through three, wasn't this big though, was it? No, no. This this right now is the largest so far. So, you know, we're we're inching there. We're almost to a third funded with you know about two weeks left to go. We end on June Wednesday, June fifteenth, uh, in the morning. Um, so yeah, I mean the the key thing is, is for this one, I really wanted to the big the big thing was paying all the creators a fair page rate, and so all the previous anthology that I did were the crackles and those were slight variations. Well, those were anthologies, but in those I wrote all the stories and I collaborated with artists from all over the world. So for those books, I paid, I paid all the artists out of pocket and, um, you know, and then I recouped some of the costs through the Kickstarter booths, but all, but whenever I had those Kickstarters, all the artists were fully paid, uh, in advance and the stories were completed this time. We, you know, we, we have a lofty goal of 18 grand, but about half that money is going straight to the creators and all the creative teams. Right. Um, it was one of the key things that, that I wanted for this anthology. Like this is uh, a larger anthology that, than I have previously done, but I've worked my skills and my communication skills and scheduling. Um, so now that I've, I'm fully prepared and, you know, and all the artists and I was just super excited to show everyone we've been working on. But the big thing, like I said, is paying everyone a fair page rate. Um, and that's the necessary for this high goal. Um, right. But yeah, so they have the, this. So I know I'm putting the carpet for the horse. So this anthology is called Purple Eyes, as, as you can see right now. Right. And the promise is within this world, 73 minutes before you die, your eyes turn to vibrant purple. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to reverse this. There's no medical alleviation, no choices you can make. It's 100% accurate and occurs for all human beings. And the way that this world is structured, uh, I kind of emulated it off of the TV show, The Leftovers, because I really, really love that show. And how, for anyone that's unfamiliar, they had a slightly similar event happened in, in the world and then people are reacting to it. So in that TV show, um, it's, that was, it's like our world and then the event happened where 2% of the population disappeared simultaneously all over the world. And so that TV show explores, some people thought it was the rapture because it's just 2% of the people disappearing without any trace. Um, and then some people just tried to find it scientifically, thinking that they like transfer dimensions. 
but then people like that TV show explores like what would people in that world actually do? And there's some jerks that pretended to disappear because they had bad debt <laughs> stuff and they just like left. And, you know, there's like TMZ trying to find them on the Cayman Islands and stuff um, years later. And so I like that aspect of, of all coming at this world in all directions. Um, so that's what Crackle's like. Crackle is, or not Crackle, sorry, Purple Eyes is similar in the sense that it's like our world, but the events of these stories happen about five to 10 years after the initial Purple Eyes incident. That way, you know, everyone gets, all the people within this world understand the rules and have, you know, become accustomed to it. Right. So, yeah, it's, you know, I was first, you know, doing pre-production, trying to figure out the scope of how this book's going to be shaped and, you know, how many stories should be involved. And I initially budgeted for 12 stories. And I thought that was, I thought that was a good amount um, around, you know, roughly 80 pages or so of content, maybe like 85, depending on back matter. And I was like, okay, this is good. But then I had held open pitch submissions for six weeks and actually started receiving the pitches coming in from all over the world. And they were just brilliant. There was just so mm -hmm. many, just, just like I said, I don't know how to put it, but just like brilliant ideas of how people would view this world and the stories they wish to tell in this world, but also just these amazing artists that I had no idea existed. So, um, so yeah, so like I had all these pitches. I ended up having 185 pitches, and then I couldn't, I couldn't say no to a lot of them. Um, right. So, so it expanded from 12 stories to, as you can see, 18 stories, and that that you know made the budget a lot larger. But that it needed to be that because there was just that that amount of mixture of stories that can that can like feed off of each other, like genre wise, like there's, you know, there's a sports one, there's a medical drama, there's, there's a few tales of revenge. There's a, there's three comedies and those three comedies got in because I was laughing. I was literally laughing out loud when I was reading them. Like these are legit funny. And I can tell that the artists that are, that are, um, you know, bringing these stories to life, they're going to like knock it out of the park. Like I just read this small pitch and yeah, it's super exciting. Uh, I mean, there's a few other surprises along the way. There's there's two supernatural stories. Like there, everything just kind of builds off of each other. And yeah, uh, I mean, one of the key things that's you know to me unique about this anthology is that we're meeting about once a week, once every other week, depending on schedules, on Zoom, and we're figuring out ways to narratively and visually link these stories together. So narratively in the sense that, you know, the main character of story four is the sibling of story like eight and then story 13, like everyone's, you know, there's a bunch of siblings or, um, you know, we have characters that kind of pop, pop in and out of, you know, that are in a few stories just in the background, which kind of bounces back to the visually aspect because you have all these artistic styles so then you have to come up with, so the artists and I have been coming up with like key different items or visual, uh, I guess just like visually key things so you can identify these people because you have all these 
artistic styles that are very different. So some of that might be like a, a like a badass jacket or a haircut. If you do something small like an earring or a necklace, uh, you know that that doesn't really work out. So it's like it's like these little ways that all the artists and I keep you know like we're all coming together trying to one up each other and make this uh, you know just make this the best it can be. And I and just doing these little these little connective threads to make all the stories feel like I said, lived in, in a, in a full expanded world, you know, it, it doesn't take, I don't want to like talk down to it, but like, it doesn't take that much, all things considered. Like it's, mm. it's just a few conversations and just a few pre-planning in the, in the big scope of things uh, to make it a big scope of things, you know? Uh, and so, I mean, personally, I haven't seen that, done in indie comics where you read an anthology um, that, that the stories are have any type of tangential links to each other. I mean, sometimes it's based off a thread, you know, or a theme, you know, you get like a sci everyone does sci-fi, everyone does a Western, um, or if it's like, um, what's his face? It's like a public domain, like everyone does Alice in Wonderland or something. Right. But the stories themselves aren't usually linked up it's usually like if you do an alice in wonderland it's basically a checklist like all right well you can only have so many cheshire cat stories and you can't <laughs> you can only have so many caterpillar smoking bong stories like you know but yeah so what was your what was the reasoning to to as a creator as as a creator of this of the anthology series what was the what was what's the purpose to ha make sure there's a running thread through this and and not be deliberate to make sure they're all twelve or eighteen independent stories? Uh, I think it was just I just thought it was more fun. I mean, tell okay. you the truth. I mean, there was no, but one of the key things that I, that I said during the pitch submissions was that like this is not a mandatory aspect. Like if you if you're, you know, if your neurons are firing when you hear this idea about the 73 minute purpleized idea, because it is somewhat of a story prompt. Like if, right. if you have like a really cool idea, you know, and want to pitch to it, like I said, the, the tying of the stories is not mandatory. And there are a few creative teams that chose that chose not to participate in that in that form and fashion. Um, and that's perfectly fine because the, the whole point is to have, you know, a you know, amazing story. And I, and I had it set up just like, if, if anyone would like to participate in this other kind of side thing, um, then go for it. Like it's, it's, you know, it's participation may vary type of thing. So, um, so that, that's was a very key thing. I didn't want to behold cause that's just asking even more people like, Oh, and then some people like, all right, well then I gotta, I gotta figure out all this stuff, but it's just like, yeah, I'm not forcing, um, I'm not forcing everything to be this super linked together, but I should also mention it makes us overall, it's going to make us look a lot smarter because then the people that didn't, uh, that, that will not be participating in that portion, they'll have, they'll have something that the audience will be like, Oh, they added this that equals from this story and that story. And just, you know, that's always the fun part is you, you tell people, that here's some of the rules or here's some of like the East, you know, be prepared for Easter eggs right. and people are going to be looking everywhere for Easter eggs and they're going to make you look a lot smarter than you actually are. 
So you have, it's 18 stories, 33 creators. So is it safe to say there's at least one, doing my math, um, <laughs> there's at least one who wrote and illustrated. Yeah. I always call them true cartoonists, like the yeah. people that I'm super jealous of that can sit down and just create a comic by themselves. I my my skill is traditionally as a writer, and so I'm always collaborating with artists um, of all skill sets. Uh, and then, you know, this time I'm wearing my editor hat uh, as well as the writer hat. But yeah, there there are a few true cartoonists, um, and yeah, they you know it's, it's really exciting because then they come up with the most ideas because they think they're thinking of everything like i said both narratively and visually um and so and how did you how many of them how many of these uh 33 creators that came in to work with you on this how many of them did you know before with your first three crackly anthologies and how many of these are brand new that you started first time working with so five uh five and then tangent tangentially one so okay uh because th- well so mario candelaria um who's has a lot of successful stuff on kickstarter he did fog line recently he has a book called kill Chella, which will be coming out soon in comic shops at probably in the next couple of weeks um i think it's think scouts doing that i don't think it's source point it's either scout or mad cave or source point because those guys do a lot um and then um jimmy kukaj i always pronounce his name wrong um he's an illustrator he his big book that uh is just got done with is uh all the devils are here which is a big kickstarter book uh which actually they tweeted that books are in print and they're going to be sent out earlier this week or later this week. Uh, but yeah, and then three of my buddies are letterers. So letterers always on multiple projects. So Ringo nominated Michael Myers, Ringo nominated um, Justin Birch, and then Kyla Aoki, uh, or Aoko. Um, they, they do stuff for Shonen Jump and they're just amazing illustrator. And um, you know, I've, I've collaborated with all three of those. And then Navaki, I forgot how to pronounce her last name. She was the one that we were friends with, um, but we never really communicated. And her and CG Salamander came up with a really amazing um, magical realism story. And especially with Devaki's art, um, it's, I think it's going to be something truly special. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much a what I would call like a true meritocracy. Like it was. I didn't let friends in because they were friends and I actually had to say no to a lot of friends and the word sorry a lot. Cause like I'm very, I'm Midwest, so I apologize a lot. Um, so, but yeah, that, that's the thing. Like all these stories were, were to me the best, of the best uh, and best, of the best that meshed well together as far as themes go and art, art styles. Mm. So we're looking at some of your artists and, and collaborators on here. Uh, and you said originally you wanted 12 and you ended up going with 18 because you really liked them a lot. And obviously, as you said, you got a lot of, you got a lot of people that submitted 
and you're deliberate with volume one because you know your your plan is once this is done you're going to do a volume two are you going to be kind of following the same setup where you want to have a running theme throughout the volume two of the anthology of a of of interconnecting stories like that as well yeah very astute yeah it it says volume one because the idea is that in early 2023 um whenever you know i have everything scheduled so you will be getting the books physically in your hand by december of this year the early 2023 when um you know when everyone's read the books then i'm going to have open submissions for volume two uh and yes i Ideally, I would like to continue this running theme or this this running uh, linking between stories and narratives and ideally have tangential threads connecting both books, vol- you know, volume one of the books and volume two of the books to, to give the reader that much experience of like, you know, it, it's thinking, thinking about the long run and longevity. Um, you know, I, I have not personally written like a, a long form monthly comic like a like a limited series but whenever i've read interviews by creators like you get the you have to think of of the long game like right you you were thinking of the short the short term is like thinking about how can i get the story the best it can be for the monthly readers and make it feel like succinct and not like they're just gonna you know need to trade weight but then you also have to think about the trade waiters and the people that come to your book, um, you know, five years down the line, because right. that experience is going to be just as fresh to them as it was when it first, you know, when it first came back from the printers. Um, and so thinking about the longevity and the shape of what is Purple Eyes between hopefully volume, ideally, you know, I'm shooting, if I'm shooting for the moon, it'd be, I'd like to have three volumes of Purple Eyes. Um, and I think that'd be, that'd be hefty enough. That'd be about, you know, 500 pages, maybe 400 pages of, of stories. Um, and yeah, just like thinking of different ways to link it. So one of the, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, as we were trying to figure out ways to link the stories within this volume, we're not focused on ways to link it for future volumes, but there are these happy accidents when we realize, all right, there are, there are points where we can't, we cannot link these stories together. You know, you know, we don't want to have forced things. We don't want this, this linking stories to be a gimmick, but like we want it to feel genuine. So, uh, Sky Bergeron, who is like I mentioned, is a true cartoonist. He's writing and illustrating, um, right. the, the story and his story has, his story focuses on a character at the natural end of their life. So he's, so Sky over here is is a young cartoonist. He's still in university uh, pursuing some type of, I forget which university, but he's pursuing a degree in sequential, sequential arts, basically comic books, uh, you know, comic book degree. And he has the only story of someone like that at the natural end of their life. Most of the main characters and characters in this book are like in their 20s, 30s and 40s. So this is someone that's closer to the, the late 80s range. And a key part of that story, of his story, is that 
the main character has a long time, long term pen, pen pal. And, you know, obviously you're like, who's this other person? Like you don't in the in the short story, you don't see who that other person is. But you see uh, the main character writing the letter and, and it's a key part of the story. And so, yeah, we're like, all right, well, who who should this be? Like, is this someone's grandpa? Like grand grandparents that you know from another story, but we're like, yeah, you know, it's just too forced. Like you know, one of the key things for any young cartoonists out there and like storytellers, um, especially with short stories, if you can get rid of a character or combine characters like in the early phase, that's more effective. Like you know, if you can make if you can make a story about two people sitting in a room. Or going, you know, changing a couple locations. If you can make it about two people, um, that's, you know, that that's going to be interesting. Like versus, you know, if you have three or four people in a short story, that's kind of a lot. If you only have like five or six pages and you have four different characters, that's a lot for the reader to absorb and get, you know, have a bond with the characters. You know, it needs to be something. You know, it needs to be worthwhile. Um, and so, yeah, so we were like, all right, well, you know, during one of our Zoom chats, we're like, all right, well, you, Sky will just come back. And for volume two, you know, he already has some early ideas of who that other person is and what their whole story is. Um, and so he'll write, he'll write basically a continuation of the one that he made. Um, and, you know, it, it's these natural way, you know, these, these natural ways that, like I said, creators are trying to one-up each other and just put their best foot forward and create the best story that they can. I mean, that's the, that's one of the things I love about these, like, making anthologies is there, there's just so much excitement. Like, it's a short story. You can, you can put all your crazy ideas in there. It's not a high commitment. Like, you don't have to schedule months of your, of your commission work. Um, and your focus for, you know, you can be a little bit more flexible and you can just have fun. And that's, mm. like, so that's what I just enjoy about like me, me personally writing and, and making anthologies, but just giving, giving the opportunities for other people just to, just to, I don't know, rock and roll and just, just do whatever crazy ideas they can, they can come up with. And it's just, I don't know how else to say it. It just, it just makes me smile every time that, we get to do this with there's 33 of us. Right. And we're, so we all just get along. So this is your, as you said, this is the fourth anthology you've been working on. What mm -hmm. were some of the lessons you learned in your previous three that you were able to implement on this anthology, on this, that your fourth anthology, what were some of the lessons learned and mistakes that you made in the past that you knew not to do on this one? Uh, scheduling. Oh. Scheduling is a big one. Uh, so usually I, in the past, I did not, I had tighter deadlines that were self imposed for no mm. specific reason. So now I, a lot, a lot of about two to three week buffers between the various stages. So like for the pitch submissions, I had open for six weeks, but I wisely gave myself a two week buffer between submissions closed and when I was going to send the accepted and rejection emails. Um, because for me, I needed like, I'll, I'll 
let everyone know this. So like for any young editors out here, this was helpful for me. Like I went, you know, I, I went through each, whenever they came in, I went through each pitch submissions and I set it up as accepted or like yes, no, and maybe. And so I was able to, to color coordinate my spreadsheet with, you know, with green, yellow, and red. So I can have that easy visual. So I was going and doing that. And, um, you know, when it got to submissions closed, I had all those pitches, um, you know, I, you know, I was a little lax and I had like 30 left to read at the end, but I gave myself that two weeks to like really think about which stories actually were stuck in my head and which, which stories and pitches lingered. And then uh, I let that sit for a week. And then the week, the, you know, week going to week two, when it, when it, my two week uh, duration, I sat down, I reread all the pitches yet again, including the rejection ones to reaffirm, um, like, was my decision the correct one or was it just like kind of like an impulse thing? And yeah, all my, my decisions were correct. A few maybe shot up to yeses. And when that started happening, I'm like, all right, well, uh, that's the thing too. I didn't, I didn't see how many yeses that I did. I just said which one were instant yeses. And then I was like, oh man. So once once I started getting to the point where uh, where there was like when I went o- was over twelve, I was like, all right, well, there's a few really good three pagers that that can be you know slid in there and that work thematically with the other stories. So then a few more ye- uh, yellows, some maybes became yeses. Okay. Um, so that was my process. But then knowing full well that um, everything else, like as far as scheduling, um, you know, all the information I need prior to the Kickstarter from all the different creators, artist bios, artist pictures. If you go to the Kickstarter, um, everyone has pictures and, and previous work that, that can be shown to show their skills. And, you know, post the Kickstarter, there's, you know, once I get the money and then I send, you know, it's going to take a, a few weeks for Kickstarter to send the money to my bank account. And then I can, then I can send it to all the artists so the artists can, you know, get paid and then begin their work and then buffer the amount of time between when I need the pages and when I need to send the printer and then buffer the time between when I'm supposed to get the books from the printer Um and then send it out to everyone. Like I, I kept a bunch of buffers just in case something happens because in the past something did happen. So mm. I've had no problem admitting this, but like the last Kickstarter I did, I did, I did a lot myself at some buffer. So the last Kickstarter I did um, was for crackle volume three and everything, you know, when I, when I had that Kickstarter, all the pages were done. So the only thing I was, that I was campaigning for was printing, printing costs right. and uh, campaign went really well, had a, almost 250 backers. Uh, and I, I worked with the same printer that I've always worked with comics wellspring in Michigan. And I will admit it's my fault. So like when I sent in um, the, the files for the, for the print proof, cause that's another thing. Like you have to, if anyone's listening, 
that's newer that's a newer creator always get a proof like always get a physical proof of your work before you before you say yes to the full print run because things happen so, right. so during this time i i messed up like i well i had a dropbox and the i i'm you know i hit the limit of the max amount of data i can have <laughs> in the dropbox but i just copy and pasted all the pages into the dropbox and um and yeah so unbeknownst to me the middle page was gone so oh wow the middle page didn't do it so i get the proof back and there's a there's a blank page in the in the direct middle of the book so uh so that comes in and i'm like oh great and then also dumb dumb me i don't i don't upload the newest version of the cover so the cover is incorrect there's a blank page in the middle and always for me because i work with so many different artists and and uh you know everyone gets the print print templates and stuff um I always adjust the colors a little bit. Some usually for me, the colors always turn out a little bit darker. So then I have this first proof at the new color corrections and update a cover and upload a new new thing. So I do that. I send them, you know, I send the files. I send them an email. I'm like, listen, I'm like, I messed up, uh, but I I also updated these color ones. And then um, yeah, so the second. So the second, so I got his proof. The second proof comes in. Uh, I think they, they, the, the cover was still bad. It was, uh, it was the old cover. They, even though I specifically said that I changed the cover, they probably just, you know, just saw some of the things were updated and made the updates. Um, so yeah, so the new book came in, had the missing page. The colors were, the colors that I made were good. But then also some of the other colors from the ones that were good in the first copy were now bad. And so, and I was like, all right, I'm like, and that's a great thing with working with printers. I was, and I, like I said, I've worked with them for about five years now. I was like, all right, well, I need, <laughs> I need the cover done and I need the colors on these few stories are perfect on this copy and the, Colors are perfect on this cop for copy two, like proof two. And when <clears throat> and when proof three came, it was it was exactly what I asked for because okay. they themselves had had copies of proof one and proof two. Um, and then as soon as proof three came, and it had every single thing. Uh, like I said, I was like, "This is it. There's absolutely no more changes needed color wise or anything else that I messed up on." Uh, and I had I said go, and that's. You know, that's just, that's the, the best, like, that's as on point of my vision uh, in a physical form as the other crackles have been. So, but giving myself that buffer going back and forth, uh, giving myself at that point, I, I buffer myself um, three weeks and I needed two of those weeks. So when, um, you know, when I figured when I said that they'll be delivered by, I think I waited, so I waited until January to get to get past all the holiday uh, shipping rates, um, yeah. I mean, I stayed within schedule, and so like when I posted about it, like, "Hey, here's all the books here," um, right. that was still within the line of when I was when people are expecting me to post that. So no one, no one knows 
well, not if you're listening to this, no one knows of all the behind the scenes back and forth of the printers. You know, it's one of those things where you hear it all the time. You, you under promise, but you over deliver. Um, right. So scheduling helps with that because, you know, you, people like to be like, oh, I got my stuff early. You know, I got, you know, someone, they emailed me the book early or it came in the mail early a week or two. But if you're a week or two late, a lot of people remember that. <laughs> so my other question to you is because you've already established, you've already put on your, you've, you already have on, you know, on here, all the people that are working on it. Yeah. What, so talk to, and, and you're, you're really smart with this is where you say, like you said, is that you're, that it's really important to pay your artists, really important to pay your creatives. Um, and you've been saying that, back and forth throughout the other interviews you've been on, which I think is really, is a, is a really great thing to stand by. How do you now get the accountability on 33 creators to say, this is the deadline for this. This is a deadline for this. This is a deadline for this. How, how do you, how do you get that accountability in place? I mean, it's at first, like I'm in, well, it's twofold. So it's, one of me being upfront about things. So like during the pitch submission form, I had that full schedule. I said, this is, this is when pitch submissions end. This is when the Kickstarter is going to run. This is when I'll get, I'll send the first 50% of the payment to the creative teams. This is when pencils are like, this is when illustrations are due. And then you'll have seen the 50, the, the rest of the 50% of the payment. Um, and then this is when, I'm going to send the, the files to the printer. So like being up front with the schedule mm. is super important because I kind of mentioned that before, as far as scheduling goes as a creator, um, you know, pitch, you, you can, you can pitch and you might not get in, but as artists and writers, um, it, it's better to know up front, like all these deadlines or these, these key points. Cause it is, I know I started pitches from recollection, I think in either late February or early March and the books, the final pencils is sometime in late September. That's basically a person's year that they need right. to like just add to their schedule. Even if they do, a, you know, in theory, a smaller story, like a three page or five page, it's still something they need to, um, you know, to, to think about, but it's also trust. Like I, it's, we're all adults. We're all creators in the indie scene. You know, we, if there's any issues, you know, if some, you know, things happen. I've, I've had that happen to me in the past where I haven't had an artist burn me, but I've had an artist say they couldn't complete the project. Um, and which is fine. It's just a communication thing. It's like, you know, health issues happen either to yourself or loved ones. You know, just family things happen. A lot of anything can happen. It's just totally understandable. But just having that communication is always open and key. And, you know, to, I've, I've been lucky enough that, like I said, when it did happen, the communication was already open between the artist and I. Um, and same thing with this. Like, right, uh, I'm, we're a constant contact. Uh, like, you know, and at least for us, I found it most effective to do these Zoom meetings, but also we just communicate via email because everyone has email. Because I know some, some, uh, anthologies teams all meet on discord and that just to me that just seems kind of like a hodgepodge like 
Right. You know, you can just you can just send people emails. So everyone can respond to an email. Like asking people to download new software and people that aren't used to Discord. It, like I'm on I'm on Discord and, and some of the comic discords. But yeah, but like asking someone to just be more ingrained and yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the uh, the pledge levels on here. What I love yeah. about this too, Philip, is it's it's really boom, boom, boom. Like you're not inundated with 30 different tiers or 20 different, like it's, it's, what I, it's, it's easy. It's, it's, it's easy and simple. You have your $15 pledge, yeah, which is the, the digital, the digital copy of it. Then you have the $25 pledge, which is the digital and physical copy, which translates to ten dollars for the book, for well, a physical copy. It's I. There was there was a little Twitter discussion the other day between some friends. Um, I saw that too. Like they're like, if you get a physical copy and you give and you're already giving out a digital copy, like do you do you expect or do you yourself as the creator offer a digital copy? Like to me, all it is is. I say yes because like everything's built. Like if you're right. if you're in the physical copy, you know, there's no. I'm not going to lock you out of getting the digital copy because you didn't choose that tier. It just seems like, you know, it, it's it seems like I'm. It's kind of gatekeeper because it's just basically me checking checking your name in a box when I hit send when I send right. the email to hit send. So. <laughs> I think that's a, I mean, that's, that's a great, great price too. So then you have $45 yes. for all the anthologies. So not only do you get the digital copies of Crackle volume one, two, and three, and all, and then the digital copy of Purple Eyes, but you also get the physical copies of Crackle volumes one through three and Purple Eyes for forty five dollars. Yeah, two hundred and fifty wow. pages. I thought that was pretty pretty good. <laughs> so, and what the, the the other really cool thing about this too is that there's nineteen backers on that, which means that's nineteen new readers for you. Yeah, but that's that's a key thing too. So. The idea for me, at least for anthologies, and that's why I love doing them, is having readers like a, your favorite artist that, that made you notified about that anthology is like your entry point. But then you right. read all the stories within it and then you find new artists or new storytellers that you start enjoying. And one of the, one of the things that like I'm laughing now, but like one of the things that always makes me smile is, you know, some of the some of the. Uh, crackle artists are like friends and follow each other and stuff and some of them have met up have met up before in real life which is crazy because uh like zorka zorka's in she's german but she's in the uk and hannah who's german who lives in germany they've met up and hung like they've met each other at a, a convention like all these people that right. may may never meet in real life because most of them are either in europe or south america um they hang they've they've met or they just they it's always fun watching them like like each other's like art posts and stuff it's like oh it's nice because it's like 
I was the, that connective tissue that they may may not have known each other. But yeah, the same thing with this. Like, there's just so many wonderful artists that now I just see all these other see all the purpleized people getting along and like boosting each other's work and like you know even like little things like boosting each other's posts about like web you know sales on their web store. You know, it's it's just fun, and the reader gets the same experience. Right. That's great. And then you have and then you have your support your local comic shop for seventy five dollars. For sure. So talk to us about that. Talk to us about, about this one. So one of the key things is I always try to boost and try to think about comic shops. Like it's, I, I've, I've been very fortunate. If you scroll down to the bottom, like I've been very fortunate to have my crackle books in comic shops all across the country. And um, so that little section toward the bottom is all the shops that you can get crackle any of the crackle books. Some of a good chunk of them are in Chicago, but a lot of them are scattered across the United States. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I, there's, how do I describe this? There's, there's different types of, or there's people get to comics in various different ways. So So the people that are on Kickstarter, there's a good chunk of people that are on Kickstarter and get Kickstarter books that don't step into brick and mortar shops at all. But there's, there's plenty of people that go to the brick and mortar shops that do not, do not go on Kickstarter. So, and you know, these, I believe so much in all these stories that we create and the creators themselves that I just want to get the word out there more. And so I'm always trying to figure out ways to incentivize and make it the easiest possible um, for comic shops to sell the book and to carry the book, well, to carry a book and then sell it, so you don't want it to sit on the shelf. Um, right. So we try keeping as as pretty much at cost value for the comic shops, print wise, um, as well as I, I, I do this for the Crackle books too. I send them, um, I send them bookmarks. You know, so now. I've always found I've asked comic shops, you know, what what can I do for you? Can I send you a poster? What can I send you to help sell these books? And the response that I usually get is, you know, send us bookmarks. We can always give away a bookmark. So I usually send a small stack of bookmarks whenever a comic shop um, would like to stock the crackle books. And it, you know, if you know, if you go to a comic shop and you you pick up a bookmark. And use that bookmark for about, uh, like, for two or three weeks. And you're looking at this thing, um, and you're using it for multiple comic books. You know, you might go. The person might go into the comic shop and be like, "All right, you know, what's up with this, you know, thing that I picked up the other day? You know, the cover looks, the color, the cover looks pretty cool and colorful and stuff. And there's space things going on. Mm-hmm. So, same thing with purple eyes. Like we, um, I, I have not designed it yet, but I've. Uh, I know what the the design for the the eye catching design is going to be for for that bookmark. Yeah, but it's just figure out easier ways for comic shops to sell to sell the book. And uh, yeah, that's really good. And then you have one more left of you get drawn into a story. Uh, your other ones are are gone. You have a yeah. few that were got drawn into a story are gone, but you still have one left. Um, one backer, so you limited one of two. So there's one left for to get drawn into a story for $100 for Stephen Charles Rosia's story. 
Yeah, I mean, those got those tears got gobbled up pretty fast. So yeah. it's kind of remarkable that there's even one left. Uh, but yeah, so same same thing with the usual. Uh, we want to do some type of incentive of draw. You know, there's so many crowd scenes, or there's so many stories in general that, and the artists felt that they can fit inside their narratives uh, pretty clean. So, you know, and we we thought that be seventy five dollars or no, $100, we thought was a fair price because you're basically paying $75 for the cameo appearance. Right. Because um, you're, you're in the book also. So, I know. That's but yeah, cool. there's a few other things that, you know, you can't really see it here, but it's mentioned within the Kickstarter. We have, I, I mean, I would say it's unique add-ons. So one of the key ones that's, that's doing really well is we have, um, we have a digital bundle so between the purpleized creators, it's just friends of mine. Yeah, there was nice. the digital bundle add-on. So there's some some purpleized creators in there. There's friends of mine. There's a, there's about five more right now, at least that are on the that are not on that list that I haven't announced. <laughs> but yeah, they're just friends of mine and creators that I believe in and stories that I believe in, as well as purpleized stories or purpleized creators and pre, their previous work. Nice. It's not that it's pretty cheap. It's we're only selling it for twenty five bucks as an add on, and it's been going really well. You get a a lot of stories um, yeah. that are full stories or issue ones. Um, and then another another unique thing that we're doing, um, which there are there are still a few slots open in the add on section, is we're doing custom commissions, and part of those custom commissions. Um, are you know your traditional ink on paper um, right. and you, you yourself you can choose you choose which artist uh, there's a few artists with those open commission slots so you can choose which specific artist you'd like as well as um, you choose which character you like so whatever TV show movie manga comic book character you want illustrated so be ink on paper um, and the the little twist is that if the character has any type of purple on like on their costume or themselves, uh, the artist will add the purple on there. So it'd be like like I said, ink on paper, but with uh with either you know purple copacetic markers or watercolors. So if people are interested in uh, wanting to follow follow you, what would be the best place that they can would it be to, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter. Um, okay. So my name, Philip Myra, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-M-A-I-R-A. What Barney's showing right now is my website. So it's the same thing, philipmyra.com. And there's preview pages of all the Crackle stories. Um, and yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram, though, but I'm mostly, <clears throat> mostly on Twitter. And then, um, yeah, you can find Purple Eyes on Kickstarter. You know, just type in Purple Eyes, it'll pop up. Or purpleeyescomic.com, and that'll get that'll shoot you to where it is. So, you know, if you're listening to this far, far into the future, and the campaign's over with, and you still want the book, um, it'll point to my web store, and it'll point to the correct page. Okay. 
Cool. What a great concept. So I'm, I'm really excited to really excited to read more about this, Philip. And uh, and listen, you got to come back on for when you have yeah. uh, volume two or when Crackle volume four and any of that stuff comes out. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'll definitely come up with whatever my next crazy idea is. Like I have, I think I know what my next project will be post Purple Eyes. Something I maybe I can tangentially do between. At the same time as volume two of Purple Eyes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm just like, as you can see, I'm just grinning. Like, I'm just so excited about this project and all the creators and what we're trying to do. Now, now we just need to get the money and then we create. Like, it's, right. <laughs> it's just that is that simple. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Philip. Appreciate it. Thanks, Barney, for having me. You're welcome. going and it's Mayra, right? Myra. Myra. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. All right. I thought I heard someone say Mayra, but it's Myra. I thought I was going to say Myra. All right. All right. That's easy. All right. Perfect. All right. Here we go, Philip. All right. And then when I, when I say Philip, is it uh, the first L or the second L is silent? I don't know. It's like just Philip. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I was like, please. <laughs> 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 All right, fine. here we go. <laughs>